Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you have been with us, you know I have given you this outline of the book of Galatians to help you to remember the book and to remember the section that we are dealing with. And I'm going to give it to you again. If you have not written it down, perhaps you might want to at this time. Here is an outline of the entire book of Galatians, chapters 1 and 2. Paul describes what saints His experience with the grace of God. I can't hear you. Paul describes his what? Experience with the grace of God. And then in chapters 3 and 4, which is the section that we are currently in, Paul describes his what? Doctrine in the grace of God. And then finally, next week, chapter 5, we begin. And 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God. So chapters 1 and 2... Paul describes his experience with the grace of God. Three and four, his doctrine, experience and doctrine. Very important to explain that before you understand how to apply it. You see, it makes sense. How does it apply to our lives in chapters five and six? There is the outline for the book, the entire book of Galatians. Now, for the last several weeks... We have been in chapters 3 and 4, and as I pointed out to you, it is a doctrinal section. Uh, Chapters 3 and 4, particularly chapter 4, is a very dense and even sometimes difficult section here in chapter 4. You know that we have been telling you that these men, why is Paul writing? Well, they're these men known as the Judaizers. And they were coming behind Paul and behind Paul's ministry. And they were telling the Galatian Christians that they had to keep the laws of Moses in order to be circum- and be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul rehearsed 2,000 years of Jewish history to prove that man is justified by faith and belief and not by works. And then Paul uses Abraham as exhibit A. Abraham, who was accounted righteous, not because of his works, but because of his belief. And then Paul made it clear, just because the law came after the promise doesn't nullify the promise. So some of the Galatian Christians, listen, give me your attention. Some of these Galatian Christians were buying into this legalism that these Judaizers were bringing into the church. I told you last week, were you with me last week? I told you last week that this is what I like to call front sliding. Now, we've all heard of people who backslide, backsliding. 
Backsliding is when someone at some point knows the Lord and has a commitment to follow the Lord, but they begin to backslide or go back into their fleshly ways. And they begin to move back into compromise, back into sin. We know that as backsliding. But there is also this thing called front sliding. Now, what is that, Rodney? Well, front sliding is when a person has given their lives to Christ, but then they begin to move forward into legalism, and they think they're more spiritual. They think they're more holy. They think they're more righteous. They think they're more holy and more spiritual and more righteous based on the things that they do and the things that they don't do. We call that front sliding. Are you with me? And let me tell you something. Backsliding and front sliding are equally sinful. You know, we often think backsliding, oh, that's just sinful. Oh, you're going back into sin. Oh, that's sinful. Listen, backsliding and front sliding are equally sinful, and Satan doesn't care whether you backslide or you front slide. Satan only cares that you don't walk in grace. Satan cares that your life is out of balance. Satan cares that, that, that you are not walking in the grace of God and understanding the love of God. He doesn't care. He's just as happy if you backslide. He is equally happy if you front slide. As long as you don't understand, truly understand the balanced walk of the believer and the grace of God and, and, and how that works every day in your life. So front sliding is equally as sinful as backsliding. And the Judaizers were trying to get those Galatian Christians to front slide. Now, remember, I told you last week, Paul took a detour, if you will, if you were with us, from fighter and defender because he's fighting for the gospel of grace So he took a detour from fighter and defender to Paul, the passionate lover of souls. Paul, the man, we looked at that last week. Paul, the pastor, if you were not with us last week, God forgives you. But you should pick up the CD. I really think you need to get the CD from last week if you were not here, holiday weekend, maybe with family, whatever, But you really need to get the CD because I think it's very important that chapter 4, that you really, really clearly understand uh, chapter 4. And we finished finished a portion of it last week. So last week also, if you were not with us, Paul likened himself to a mother who gave spiritual birth to the Galatians. Paul said, it was under my ministry that you came to know Christ. Paul said, as you... As your spiritual mother, I'm going through labor pains. Remember we talked about it? Paul said, I'm going through labor pains because I want to see Christ formed in you. Paul is saying, I gave you birth, but I don't see a family resemblance. You look more like Moses. You look more like law keepers. You look more like legalists. And I want to see Christ formed in you. Now, along that same line of thinking of giving birth and motherhood, Paul now points to two very important mothers in the history of the Jewish people. Are you listening? Number one, Sarah. Number two, Hagar. That's what we're going to talk about. Two very important mothers and how that applies to two covenants. Galatians chapter 4, saints, we pick up in verse 21. If you're looking at it, would you please say amen? Tell me, Paul says, 
you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had, how many sons, saints? The one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? Here Paul explains it. For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is who, saints? Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written in Isaiah chapter 54, if you want to take notes, put it in your Bible, right next in the margin, Isaiah 54, 1. Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so now it is. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Would you underline that in your neighbor's Bible? Go ahead, do it right now. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but children of the what, saints? Free. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Most scholars, listen, consider this paragraph, verses 21 through 31, considers this paragraph in Galatians the most difficult in the entire book. Well, you probably think the same thing. I know when I first read it, I thought, what in the world is he saying? Many Bible scholars believe this is the most difficult in the entire book. And some scholars, listen, even say that this paragraph is the most difficult of all of Paul's writings. I've been studying the book of Galatians, and I've taught this book before. I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, day before. And, you know, I, I, I just don't remember the first time I taught this book. I don't remember getting out of it then what I'm getting out of it now, which makes me think the first time I taught it, what in the world did I teach? I'm a, I had to teach some heresy somewhere. I had to teach something wrong. But, but how many of y'all know that every time you read the scriptures, God will show you something more, something deeper, something more awesome that you didn't see before? Any of y'all know that? Okay. That's why they call it the living word. Isn't that true? It's because it just keeps breathing and gets more and more and more. And so as I read this book, as I've been studying the book of Galatians, and as I've studied now pretty much all of the New Testament in depth, I have come to have an incredible respect for Paul the Apostle. Paul was brilliant. Paul is dealing with these Judaizers. Paul was so smart, he probably forgot more than they ever knew. 
He was brilliant. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, it was Peter who said of Paul, he said, our brother Paul has written things hard to understand. And that's true because Paul was brilliant. So here we have this section, and it is difficult, and many Bible scholars believe it is difficult. And the reason I think it's difficult, I think it's difficult for a couple of reasons. Number one, listen, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Number one, I think it's difficult because it presupposes, this section, verses 21 through 31, presupposes that the reader has a good understanding of the Old Testament. I'm going to say that again in case you were asleep. It's difficult because it presupposes that the reader has a good understanding of the Old Testament. If you do not have a good understanding of the Old Testament, listen, if you do not have a good understanding of the Old Testament, you cannot understand this section. It's unfortunate to me that many, many Christians are biblically illiterate. And I find it interesting because when you talk to a lot of the cults, they know their book. However wrong it might be, somebody say amen. They do know it. And they could be as wrong as snow in Hawaii. Has it ever snowed in Hawaii? I hope not, otherwise my statement is null and void. But they know it. Christians, unfortunately, they don't know their Bibles. And yet at the same time, we say, us Christian folk, we say that this book, the B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, we say we believe this book, 66, Bound Leather, has the power to change your life. We say we believe that this book will keep you from hell and get you into heaven. We say that we believe that all things that we need as believers, are you listening? That all things that we need as believers are contained in this book. We believe that this is the word of God. We throw that around so often, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Stop, listen, the word of God. God breathe. We say we believe that, and yet we don't take the time to read it. I don't understand. Many Christians are biblically illiterate concerning the Old Testament, concerning the stories of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, Ishmael, Mount Sinai, Jerusalem. Not only ignorant of the Old Testament, but ignorant of the New Testament as well. That's unfortunate. And then I think this book is difficult also because Paul is speaking, listen, very technically, very historically, and very allegorically. And so if you were a rabbi, this section would not be a problem because the rabbis, they loved the historical, they loved the technical, and they loved the allegorical, and that's why this section would not be a problem for them. But for us, it's a problem. Now, notice in verse 21, I want you to go ahead and look at verse 21 again. As Paul says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You see, Paul's getting real with them. Paul is saying, stop and listen to what you're saying. 
Have you ever met someone or had a conversation with someone and they say something so crazy, so stupid, and you say, you know what? You need to say that again because you sound crazy. Anybody know what what I'm talking about? They just say something. You go, you know what? Okay. Say it slow so you can hear yourself say something really crazy. That's what Paul is doing here. Paul is saying, listen, you need to stop and listen to what you're saying. For those of you who want to live under the law, this is what it means. And then he reminds them of their relationship with Abraham, the fact that Abraham had two sons, one of a bondwoman and one of a free woman. And he starts pointing out that Judaizers are leading them down the path of legalism and bondage, which represents the bondwoman who would be who, saints? Hagar, very good. And, 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 and legalism, which represents her son. And who's Hagar's son? What's his name? Ishmael, very good. And then down the path of grace and freedom in the spirit, which represents the free woman. And the free woman is who? Somebody help me. Sarah, exactly. And her son's name is who? Isaac. And Paul is pointing out that the Judaizers are leading these Galatian Christians down a path of unbelief like Ishmael and not belief like Abraham. Now, for the sake of review, I know, trust, believe that many of you know the Old Testament stories. But just for refresher for some of you, Genesis chapter 12. Now, you might want to take a few little notes here. Genesis chapter 12, you read this in your own time. But around the age of 75, God spoke to Abraham and told him to pack it up and get moving and I will show you where to go. And so Abraham packs up the minivan. How you know he didn't have a minivan? Coulda. Actually, the Genesis 12 tells us he had a caravan. Okay, fine. It's true. Isn't it it true, honey? All right. See, that's my honey back there. When I need encouragement, I just look at her and she be going, you preach. Don't don't look at them. Look at me. Preach. So Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham to pack it up and to go to a place where I will show you. Abraham packs it all up, puts the wifey in the car. They're sitting in the car. Sarah probably looks over at Abraham and says, honey, where are we going? Abraham says, I don't know. She goes, and did you forget to take your meds? Well, God just told me to pack it up and I will show you as we're going. And as they were going, we know the story. They come to the promised land. And when they get into the promised land, there is a famine in the promised land. And Sarah's probably thinking, oh, great. God told you to go somewhere and he led us to a place where we can't get anything to eat. It's a famine in the land. And then God spoke to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you a son. And years pass. And Sarah starts to think that they are working against the clock. Abraham is about 86 and Sarah, his wife, is about 76 and still no baby. Sarah came up with an idea and said, Abraham, I'll tell you what. Listen, we need to help God out on this thing. Whenever you hear that, Be afraid. Be very afraid. Okay, we need to help God out 
on this thing. We need to help God bring the promise to pass. So Abraham, Sarah says to Abraham, Abraham, I've got a great idea. Why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar and we'll have a son through her? And Abraham says, okay. (laughs) Now you sure about that now? Because you know how y'all women are. Y'all come up with something and then later, okay, fellas, I'm going to need protection after this. All right, and so, so you know, honey, you, you sure about that? Now, now, I, I seriously, now, look, if you insist that I, if I have to do, I'll do it, but I don't want to hear no mess afterward, because, you know, ladies, y'all got a steel trap memory. Women have a steel trap memory. They will remember stuff that happened 2,900 years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you did that same thing. Yeah, I'm, so, oh, I'm sick of you. You did that back in 1968 on May 14th at 7.30. Your name, the street address, the old phone number, the zip code. Yeah, you did the same thing. Women have still trap memory. Abraham probably said, Sarah, now are you sure? Honey, now listen, tell you what, why don't I just get that writing? Because I'm going to write this down. You sign it because I, I don't want to have no problems. But Sarah, Abraham, listen, and Hagar are attempting to be God's little helpers to obtain the promise of God. And God is taking too long for them. They have Ishmael through the energy and the efforts of the flesh. Saints, listen to me close. If God, listen to me close. If God, listen to me close. If God makes a promise... He does not need your help to bring it to pass. Can you clap your hands for the Lord? Because that is true. God does not need your help to bring it to pass. When God makes a promise, God will bring it to pass. And I think what we need to learn is to be patient and to wait on the Lord to bring it to pass. And how many people get impatient and afraid and They won't allow God to do what God wants to do to bring that promise to pass. And so they try to help God. And by the way, saints, that's bondage. You know, to some, God has made a promise that they will marry. God's made you a promise. Someday you're going to get married. And that man or that woman doesn't come quick enough. And then they go out and start to help God. They go on. I keep forgetting that. What is it? Uh, Daters, daters.com or uh, eHarmony. That's what y'all know. Y'all know what it is. Y'all just trying to act like you don't know. Y'all sitting there like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what it is. So you go, well, you know, God said I was going to get married, you know, and they got the, oh, they got the Christian version of eHarmony now too, don't they? The Christian version of what in the world is that? Hello, you don't need to go on eHarmony to try to find. You go on eHarmony and you try to get a hookup with a date and you meet somebody and find out the man was a serial killer. You don't need that. What you need is to wait on the Holy Spirit. And saints, let me tell you, look, I'm talking to single people now. Husbands, wives, y'all can tune out right here. Single people. 
If God made you a promise, then God will bring that promise to pass, and, and you are to wait on God. You do not want to be married to someone that God has not given you. Trust me, you will be better off by yourself and a TV dinner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, two people. Okay, fine. You don't want to be married to an unbeliever because your life will be a living hell. Marriage is wonderful when you are married to the person that God has called you to be married to. But when you are married to a person that God had nothing to do with that, God did not ordain that person to be married to you. God has nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, the person is not even a believer. I see it all the time as a pastor, all the time. People come up, oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, I found me a man. Really? Yeah, oh, he's so cute. He's so, oh, 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 he's so cute. I can't stand it. Cute little button nose. I can't stand it. And I'm just watching him just going on and on and on. Oh, and then my first question is to them is, is he a Christian? Well, well, um, uh, um, um, Susan, I start hearing, um, 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 in Houston, we got a problem. Um, well, 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 um, we're, we're working on that. Um, well, he goes to church. Is he a Christian? Well, uh, he told me he was baptized when he was a baby. Uh, is he a Christian? Well, well, he has a job. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's good, sweetie. He has a job. But is he a Christian? Well, well he, he's tell, he goes to church like on, he's a two-timer. What do you mean? He goes to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Is he a Christian? Let me tell you. Going to church does not make you a Christian no more than if you stand in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Did you hear me? Going to church does not make you a Christian. But what happens is we, we oftentimes you think that your influence can cause him to become a Christian. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.